welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. that uh, we have a picture there of, of uh, how, you know, the situation we're currently in, right? And how discipleship is not hindered and stopped by that. Because nothing in this world can stop the movement of God, of the kingdom of God. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're in our Discover Jesus series. We're going to be in Luke 4 this morning, which is such an amazing passage. We're going to walk through it together. But the point of the series is to talk to you, is to teach you, is to show you, is to make you aware of, is to help you grow in your understanding of your own humanity as you learn about Christ Jesus in his humanity. And as often we neglect his humanity because we focus on his divinity, but, but Jesus was actually the man Jesus, right? The God-man. So we have to consider both. We have to consider all aspects of him. And so we've been focusing on his humanity because I believe if we can learn more about his humanity, we'll learn more about our humanity. And so as you, and as you discover your humanity, you'll actually discover what you were created for and what you were created to do and who you were created to be. That is discovering identity in Christ and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. It's our mission statement. It's our vision statement. It's our everything statement. We want to help you discover those things. And last week, we talked about uh, Jesus in the wilderness coming off of his identity being established, his, his approval as God's son and, and who God is well pleased. And then he goes into this wilderness episode. And Jesus, and then, and then we read the last passage that says Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit. And we're going to start with that passage this morning because here's the thing, guys. Jesus didn't just come here and take on our humanity in order to conform to our humanity. He came to change our humanity. His his incarnation, God becoming flesh, actually changes the way your flesh can operate. It actually changes your humanity. It actually brings us back to the Garden of Eden being a possibility in your life. Isn't that amazing? Guys, when you think about the Garden of Eden, it was abundant. It was a surplus of things. They had everything they needed, everything they wanted. They're walking the cool of the day with God. They're constantly in his presence right? They, they are with God. They're in his presence. They're walking with him and the rivers are flowing. They're overflowing into and out of Eden. As we see this picture in Revelation too, uh, in Revelation as well, when, when uh, it shows us a renewed and restored Eden where the river of life is flowing. And that's what I want for your life this morning. Guys, I want you to wake up this morning. I, I want to I help get you as a sleepy Christian out of bed, uh, out of, off the couch, and I want to help you live out your faith this morning because uh, here's the thing. We're talking about a river of life. We, we're talking about overflow. We're talking about abundance. And most of you guys have just dammed up your faith. You've dammed up your, your Christian walk. You've dammed it up. You've just built a dam. 
You, the river is no longer flowing because you're just satisfied with the things that God's given you. You're satisfied with the things of this world and you've damned it up. And it's not helping anybody else. It's just staying here. And you're doing the Christian things, but it's just a dam. It's stagnant water. You have a pond, you have a lake, and it's stagnant. And you're not overflowing as a river of life to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your friends, to your family, to your city, to your community, to the world. And you're just stuck. And I want to shake you out of that. And so if you want the overflow, you cannot be satisfied with the status quo. That's our bottom line for today. If you want the overflow, if you want it, now if you don't want it, just stop listening. Go, go listen to something else. But if you really want the abundant life, if you want the overflow that God has promised you to have, that he wants to give you, that he is giving you, if you want the overflow, you cannot be satisfied with the status quo. And we see that played out here in this passage. Let's, let's walk through it here. This is Luke chapter 4. Uh, Jesus has just come out of temptation, as I said. And it says in verse 14, and Jesus returned. So the and there is, this is a continuation of the previous passage. So, and he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. How did Jesus return? Say it. Say it out loud. How did Jesus return? In the power of the Spirit. In the power of the Spirit, he returned differently, right? He returned in the power of the Spirit, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified all. This is only two verses where a lot happens in these two verses, guys. A lot happens. So basically, the next passage and the following passage after that, uh, this is what you have to understand when you're reading the gospel, and in particular this gospel, Luke, is that uh, they weren't concerned as much about chronology, as they were theology, okay? Because all these accounts are a little bit out of order, right, until you get to the, the, uh, the, the, the Passion Week, the Resurrection Week, right, the, the Cross Week. Uh, until you get to the Passion Week, uh, everything else is kind, of, is kind of mixed up here. So what happened here after Jesus left the wilderness is he went to Capernaum. And we know that because in this passage, they ask, Jesus talks about it. He says, hey, you expect me to do what, what I did in Capernaum. So we know he's been there already, okay? So Luke puts this passage here for a specific reason. He puts it before Capernaum happens, and he's going to talk about Capernaum. So let's, let's just, let me just uh, enlighten you and inform you on what happened in Capernaum. So you can see Capernaum actually right after this passage that we read this morning. So if you go, if you have a Bible, and, and, or on your phone or in your hand, if you go down to verse 31, this is Capernaum. Jesus went down to Capernaum and he did things. Guys, what you see here is a person who is on mission because he knows exactly who he is and what he's here to do. He knows his purpose. He knows his destiny. And he walks forward in it. And he goes straight into spiritual warfare. It's like that episode in the wilderness with Satan. It's like... You know, and the baptism, it activated the warrior Jesus. As you understand this, like, Jesus is a warrior. Like, he came to fight for you. He's fighting for you this morning. He came to say, get out of that sin. You don't belong there. Get out of that, get out of that status quo mentality. That is not what a son of light looks like. That is not what a, what a king looks like. 
Jesus says, I'm a king of kings. Like, that's us guys, like I said last week. And he goes straight into warfare here. And he starts casting out demons, right? <laughs> he, he just takes them out of the beast. Like he says, this is no longer the kingdom of darkness. I'm ushering the kingdom of heaven, right? He says, repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. It is at hand. It's, it's, it's for us. And he goes and he starts casting out demons. He starts healing people. A ton of people. Everyone comes to him. Blind people, lame people, deaf people. And he starts healing all of them. And he's proclaiming the good news, it says, in the synagogues. Of the kingdom of God. And if you go to chapter 7 in your Bibles, this is another episode of of Capernaum. He's in Capernaum, and uh, uh, a Gentile man comes to him, a centurion, and and says someone is sick, and Jesus heals him. And then a widow's son is dead, and Jesus raises him from the dead. And guys, Jesus references Elijah back in this passage. He's going to reference it later. We'll talk about that. Uh, Elijah, when he raises the widow's son from the dead, he has to lay down on the widow's son three times and pray over and over again. Jesus, he says, young man, I say to you, arise. That's it. That's all Jesus does. He's in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. This is different from Elijah. Right? This is different from the prophets. And immediately he gets up to speak. And then, and then John the Baptist, right? he's just baptized Jesus, and they, they don't really know. They don't know what we know. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out, who is this guy? Is he the guy that we've been waiting for? Is, is this the one? Is this the Messiah? So John the Baptist sends his disciples. Uh, at the, uh, in the middle of chapter 7, he sends his disciples to Jesus. And, and they say, hey, are, are, you, are you the guy? Are you the one? And, and Jesus says, well, go tell John this. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. And they're like, okay, we'll go tell him that. So is that a yes, Jesus? Yes, that's a yes. Jesus says, I mean, that's as clear of a yes as they're going to get from him. And so that's background for what's happening in this passage here in chapter 4. That's what happens in these two verses that Luke, Luke summarizes Capernaum basically in those two verses. And says, well, Jesus did all these things, returning the power of the Spirit. And then in verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Do you realize what that means? He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, which means... He had left Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. You see, Jesus wasn't satisfied with the status quo. He could have stayed where he'd been brought up. He could have stayed in that job that his father did. He could have stayed as a carpenter. He could have stayed building things. He could have stayed in the same house. He could have stayed with his family. He could have stayed in those same relationships. He could have stayed. Do you think Jesus didn't have friends? Why didn't he ask his friends to be his disciples? Why didn't he ask his, his family to do that? You know, he had tons of brothers, right? Why didn't he do that? He left. He wasn't satisfied with the status quo, and he went out in obedience to God, and he started gathering people outside. Like, guys, Jesus wanted to show us what it was like to live in the overflow. He wasn't satisfied with the things that the world had to offer and that the world was giving him. You cannot be satisfied with the world. And you might say, I'm not. 
But what consumes you right now? Is it purchasing that new home? Is it getting a raise at your job? Is it that, is it moving forward in your career? Guys, your career is to serve Jesus. That is your career. Jesus, he, do you know where Jesus lived when he, when he went into the public ministry? I don't, we don't know. He didn't have an address. He didn't have a, a safe place. He didn't have a, a home that where he could lay his head. He just trusted God and went out. He didn't have a job. He left his job. He left his livelihood. Now you're saying right now, you're saying, were well, you telling me I have to do that to follow Jesus? I'm saying you got to be willing to. And how many of you are actually willing to give all that up for the sake of the kingdom? You know, so many of us think we would die for Jesus, but you don't even live for Jesus. As Jesus is showing us what it's like to be in our humanity, like he said, trust God for all those things. Do you do that? And if you're getting upset at me right now, if you're getting mad at me, wait till we get to the end of this passage. Because those who get mad at him, they kill him. They try to kill him. So if you're getting mad at me right now, just wait. Just wait till you hear the whole thing. Because, guys, I'm telling you, the world has its talents in us. And I want you to wake up this morning. I want you to be aware of, of how that is, is happening in your life. Jesus leaves it. He leaves what he knew. He left everything. And you have to be willing to do that. And guys, those of you who don't know my story, Missy's story, we did that. I'm not going to go into it. I was going to say, I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done multiple times and I wouldn't do again. Guys, I would leave everything again like that, in a heartbeat. I would quit this job, I would quit, uh, I would leave this country, I would take my family, I would, I would leave all our possessions, I would do that in a heartbeat. Nothing is going to stop me from following Jesus in this way. Now, take it easy, we're not leaving Toronto <laughs> right now at least, we won't be leaving Toronto for, for many years. God has us here uh, and he brought us here, but, but guys, we are willing to be obedient to anything Jesus asks us to do. Because I would move to the jungles of the Amazon if he asked me to do it. I would give everything. Sometimes I think it would be easier, actually. <laughs> Sometimes I think it would be less stressful. Um, uh, but uh, we would do that in a heartbeat. And that's where I want to get you to. And, and a lot of you guys say, well, I would do that if God asked me. He is asking you. He is. He has asked you. Die to yourself, give up everything. Okay, let's look at this. I'm going to show you this. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. It's his custom. He'd been doing this, right? He goes to Sabbath, on the Sabbath, he stands up to read, and they hand him the scroll, okay? And they gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, now the scroll of the prophet Isaiah is actually the largest scroll, okay? So keep that in mind in this, in this, because this is like a story. Luke's a storyteller here, and, and he's building the tension for us, right? So he's, he unrolled the scroll. So think about it. It's the largest scroll. So he's, he's unrolling it, and he's unrolling it, and he's unrolling it, and he's, and he's get to Isaiah 61, okay? So he gets 61 chapters in. He's unrolling it, trying to find it, all those things. He probably knows where it's at, right? He goes straight to it, probably. Um, he unrolls, and he says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news 
to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls up the scroll, rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, and sits down. And everyone's just staring at him. Why? Why are they staring at him? Because, guys, they don't know if he's saying, I'm this guy, I'm the one who the Spirit of the Lord is upon, I'm the one who's going to free the poor, I'm the one who's going to proclaim them good news, I'm the one who's going to recover the sight of the blind, I'm the one who's going to set at liberty those who are oppressed, or he's just reading it. Because they've heard this passage, right? They're probably all familiar with this passage. It's not like they haven't heard it. And it's not like Jesus, uh, um, well, it's not like they haven't heard it, right? And so they're, they're like just kind of staring at him, wondering, well, what, what, what's going on here? What, what is he, what's he saying here? And guys, he's saying a couple of things here. One, he's saying, yes, this is me. We see that in, in verse 21. He says, uh, he knows what they're thinking. So he addresses their thoughts. He says, yeah, uh, guys, just to be clear, uh, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he tells them explicitly. It's, he doesn't shirk away from it. He doesn't, he, he doesn't um, uh, tiptoe around it. He's not worried about offending them. He just says it. He says, I know my identity, I know my destiny, and this is it. And guess what, guys? The second thing? This is also yours. Do you realize that? Paul says in Colossians 3 that your life is hidden in Christ Jesus, that your life is Christ. Your life is Christ. When we talk about identity in Christ, when we talk about destiny in Christ, your purpose in Christ, we're saying literally that your purpose and your identity is Jesus's. So what is true for him can actually be true for you. We are hidden in him. We, we, we aren't just, guys, we aren't just tagging along with Jesus. We've actually been fully invited into the Trinitarian life. That's what Trinity life means. That's your eternal purpose according to Ephesians. But so many of you are satisfied with the worldly life. You're satisfied with being comfortable here when God has created you for something much greater than that. So look at this passage. When Jesus says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, well, guess what, guys? Right now, we're in the new covenant age. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. When it says he's anointed me, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed you. When it says, I've come to proclaim good news to the poor, he's saying, now you are to proclaim good news to the poor. When he says he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, that's you. You do that. You are in Christ. You proclaim liberty to the captives. You cast out demons. You visit those in prison. You make people free. When he says to recover side the blind, that's you. Guys, we have, a, we, have, we have a blind man in our church. We have a guy named Jeffrey in our church. We should be praying for him. That's us. 
Like this isn't just some spiritual thing out there that uh, happened thousands and thousands of years ago. No, we can actually see these things happen today as we usher in the kingdom. Where do we lose that faith? We are supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be setting liberty, those who are oppressed. Guys, that is why we work in St. Jamestown. That's why we work in the West Bank. Because we're talking about people who are oppressed and we want to set them at liberty. We're trying to free them. And we're proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Guys, that's our job in Christ now. He's given us this task. That is the Great Commission. That is making disciples. So he rolls up the scroll. He says, this is me. And in verse 22, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? I, guys, think about this. Jesus is, is human. He's lived a human life. For 30 years, he grew up in Nazareth. For 30 years, he went to those markets. Guys, I've been to the place where, this, where Jesus did this. The, the, it, it's, you walk through, you're, you're in Nazareth, you walk through the marketplace, you walk through the, it's, you know, the bazaar, the souk, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's winding, it's winding, you're walking through, there's people selling all, all kinds of stuff, and, and then, and you can pass it easily. It's off the side, down this little narrow alley, turn to the left, and it's a door. And all you see is a door. And then you go in the doors, and it opens up into this, uh, it's, it's, it's basically like a cave, a little church in a cave, where, where Jesus opened up the Isaiah scroll. If you come with me to, to the Holy Land, I'll take you there. Um, where he opens up the scroll, and guys, there is power in that room. There's presence in that room. Not because Jesus used to be there, but because when we're there, we bring the spirit of Christ into that place and we read this passage and we declare it over the space. Guys, that's us. You are a child of light. Walk as light. And so when they say, is this not Joseph's son? They're like, this is the guy that grew up with us. Like I saw him when he scraped his knee. I saw him when, uh, you know, he was getting bullied. I saw him go through school. I saw him building uh, tables. I saw him with his parents at the market, all these things. And, but he looks different. He's different. He's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Of course he's different. Guys, is there a difference between before Jesus for you and after Jesus for you? There's a difference before you were a Christian and after. If there's no difference, then there's no spirit. Guys, if you look like the world, why does anyone want that? Why would anyone want what we have? And you may say this. You might be saying this right now. Well, I read my Bible. I go to church. I give money. I pray. You know, I try to tell other people about my religion. So did the Pharisees. They did all those things, and they felt like they did it better than anyone else. They were the most holy-looking people of that day. And Jesus says, you missed it. You missed it. It was never about doing those things. It was about living this life. 
It's about walking forward in these things, in the, in the kingdom that I'm showing you. It's about the overflow. It's not about being satisfied with the status quo. Guys, our church, we're not satisfied with the status quo. I'm not satisfied that all the church is today is going to a cool worship service where there's, there's uh, a nice worship experience, and then the rest of the week we just go about our day. Sometimes we go to small groups, sometimes we don't. Some, you know, sometimes we go to a Bible study, sometimes we don't, whatever it is. Guys, I'm tired of Bible study. Where has Bible study gotten us? Right? Like, are you still, you're not, your life isn't any better from Bible study just because you know something? Think about this. Most people, okay, here's what separates people in the world. <laughs> I probably shouldn't talk about this right now, but I'm going to. Um, ah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to talk about this. So, um, guys, action does. Do you realize that? You can have all the right intentions, you can have all the right desires, but if you don't act on them, then nothing happens. An idea without execution is dead. Faith without works, guess what? It's dead, James says. It's dead. And guess what the wages of sin is? Well, it's, it's dead too. It's death. So if you have faith and there's no works, well, that's just sin. Guys, every, okay, here's an example. Everyone wants to be healthy. Everyone wants to be healthy, right? Like, and you know what it takes to get there. Exercise regularly, eat the right things, you know, maybe something else. Oh, <laughs> I'm not that healthy. No, um, uh, you know, whatever, you know these things it takes. You have the knowledge. But what's, why is everyone struggling with their weight? Why is everyone struggling with being healthy? Why are you still in that state? Well, because your desires didn't turn into action. Your bad desires actually outweighed your good desires. Your desire to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos actually outweighed your desire to do 20 push-ups. Right? Guys, everyone knows what it takes to, what it takes to be in the presence of God. Right? Read your Bible. Pray. Be with the church. Serve others. Love your enemies. Uh, any, anything on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Everyone, you know that. But what stops you from doing that? Your other desires outweigh those desires. Your worldly desires outweigh the ones that you know will get you into the abundant life and have you experience it. And guys, I just want you to experience this one. And before you get all crazy on me, like, we're not talking about salvation here, right? You may say, oh, well, you're talking about works and all that. No, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about, guys, you have to, this is from the scriptures too, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Guys, ah. Oh. And, and we, have, we have a tool to get you started in that. It's called Rise. It's called Rise. We did it through all this summer, and, and some of you guys said to me this. You said, well, oh, it just seems like work. It is work. Why do you think you should work at everything else besides what's most important in your life? Guys, it is work. It's discipline. It's learning. It's growing. You don't think Jesus worked? You think his life was easy? It wasn't easy. He worked to get to this point. And he sits in front of these people that he's known his whole life. And he says, I'm the guy you've been reading about for hundreds and thousands of years who's going to come and rescue you. And they all marvel. Says, this is not Joseph's son. And he says, hold on. Before you, <laughs> before you crown me the king, 
Let me just say this to you, because doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What, what we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, well, truly I say to you, no prophet is actually acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, a Gentile, to a woman who was a, window, a widow. And there are many lepers, but he was sent to a Gentile, the prophet Elisha, to Naaman the Syrian. Uh, there's a lot there, guys, uh, and I'm just going to summarize it in this, that this is about turning belief into action. This is about faith moving forward in action. This is about not being satisfied with the status quo. And if you're upset at me right now, if you're feeling uh, angry, just, just wait for a second, because we're going to see what happened when he told them this. He said, he, he said to them, this is not, you're actually not going to move forward in this, he said to them. That's why he's, he's, he's pointing at the Gentile faith. He's like, actually, the Gentiles are going to move forward. And they get angry. Instead of saying, what is, what's in us that's going to cause us to do that, Jesus? Instead of saying, uh, uh, what, what responsibility do I have? What, what sin is in my life? Instead of saying, what worldly things are stopping me from following you in this? Instead of saying, I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be a, a person who follows you, Jesus. Instead of saying those things, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Guys, which all do you want to be in this passage? Because just a few verses before, all spoke well of him. Now, all are filled with wrath. Which all do you want to be? Do you want to be in the all that is about to kill Jesus and try to at least? Or do you want to be in the all that marvels at what he says and acts on it? Guys, what, I'm giving you kind of a heavy, hard word this morning, and I'm really fired up about it because I'm tired of the church living like the world. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of us looking like we've looked like for hundreds of years and not seeing much kingdom fruit. I want us to be different. I want us to get out of our Bible study mentality where we're just going to learn about Jesus, and I want us to get up and follow Jesus and learn along the way. That's R3. Guys, we've designed R3 for that purpose, and if you are not in an R3 group, you're missing it. And you may say, oh, well, I can get to subspirit. No, 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 guys. This isn't about what you can, what you can learn. Yeah, go listen to your podcast there. Go, go sit in a Bible study over there. Go, guys, this is about life on life with people who love you, who people who are going to help you discover your gifts, people who are going to help you live this out, where the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, where you've been anointed to preach good news to the poor, where you've been, been uh, anointed to proclaim liberty to the captives, where you've been anointed to set people free, to see people healed, to, to see the kingdom come in this city. Guys, that's what R3 is designed to do. Give it a shot. Now, it's going to be uncomfortable because it's not the status quo. But you want to stay damned up, you'll stay damned. You will not live the abundant life. You'll not live in the overflow. And you'll be just like a Pharisee who's just stuck thinking that I need to do all these things in order to make my way and earn my way to heaven. 
No, it comes out of identity in Christ, approval from the Father, and we work out of that approval, from that approval, not for that approval. You already have it. Now start living it. And guys, the change here and the difference in your life is not one of morality. It's one of authority, right? Like, when you walk in the authority of the Spirit of God, man, morality follows, right? Don't be concerned about the do's and don'ts of following Jesus. Follow Jesus and his authority in this fullness of the Spirit, and he will show you what it's like to live a life on fire for him. Guys, we want that for you. We want that so badly for you. When they had heard these things, all in some were filled with wrath, and they rose up, drove him out of the town, brought him to the brow of the hill, and on, on which their town was built. And, and guys, uh, when I visited there, the guy's like, hey, I'll show you the hill. <laughs> um, I didn't go to the hill. Um, it's close to the place. They take him to this hill so they could throw him down a cliff. They're so enraged that they wanted to kill him. They're so enraged. They just wanted to, they, they're like, they outright rejected him. And they wanted to kill him. What's ironic here is that this is exactly why Jesus came. This is actually is his destiny to be murdered to be killed because his stripes will heal us, to take our sin, to take our transgressions. And Luke, I think, puts it theologically first in Jesus' public ministry because I think he's showing us that Jesus accepts his destiny right away. Even though it's not yet, Jesus doesn't freak out here. He knows that's his destiny. He knows that is, that's his purpose. And he doesn't, he doesn't shy away from speaking that out. He doesn't think, oh, I shouldn't say this because they might be offended. Guys, there's so many people comfortable going to hell. Guys, going to hell is, is a first-class ticket. Like, the, the enemy wants us to be comfortable. I mean, look at our world. Everyone's comfortable here. Like, and and that's, what we, that's what we go for. So when it says you proclaim good news to the poor, when it says release the oppressed, we're not talking about releasing them into a comfortable life, the life that, that you have or that I have. We're talking about releasing them into the kingdom, right? And guys, that is not a comfortable life. So if everything you have is focused around getting your things, then that's what you're going to have at the end of the day. But you're just going to be damned up. You have your house on the lake, you have your cottage on the lake, you have your canoes, you have your, your fun there on the lake, but you won't be flowing in the overflow, in the river of life, in the abundant life. And guys, am I telling you to give everything up and give it to the poor? Yeah. I'm telling you to be willing to. I'm telling you that maybe that's what living in the kingdom is like. Do you realize that one decision can change the trajectory of your entire life? Look at the rich ruler who comes to Jesus and says, I've done all these things, Jesus. And Jesus says, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. That one decision, when he says no, changes his life. What if he'd said yes? 
when God called me and Missy and our family and moved to Toronto, we could have said no. And that would have changed the entire trajectory of our lives. You know what? That would have changed the entire trajectory of your life because you wouldn't be here right now. Do you see that? Like, that's the power in the kingdom, guys. And, and so many of us are getting caught up in the world and, and trying to live, uh, trying to store up things here, right? So that we can be retired one day or something like that. Guys, you're, you don't have that day promised to you. You don't have tomorrow promised to you. I, and don't get me wrong. I'm a tremendously, I think future tremendously all the time. But I live for eternity. Do you see the difference there? I'm willing to give up everything for Jesus. Are you? What is God asking you to do today that is a decision that will change the entire trajectory of your life? If you can see that every decision you make has that potential, that's the overflow. When you start living this out, the spirit of the Lord here, that's the overflow. When you start saying, God, what I can give, what I can give, that's my power and what I can give up, that's the overflow. Not what I can get and what I can hoard, but what I can give up to others and to the kingdom, that's the overflow. Guys, because when you have open hands, God can put whatever he wants in there as many times as he wants. When you hold on to that little thing that you have already, well, he can't put anything else in there. That's the dam. And this is but passing through their midst he went away. Guys, Jesus knew his destiny. He knew his destiny. And even though it was not yet, he was willing to just pass through their midst. He didn't condemn. He, he gave them their message. He gave them a shot. And he passed through their midst and went and kept on living out the kingdom. Guys, I want you to live in spirit and in truth. I want you to live in the overflow. I want you to live for Jesus. I want you to, to uh, get rid of the things that are hindering you in the world. I want you to be part of the all that marvels at Jesus, not part of the all that is angry right now. And I want you to examine your life this morning and say, God, what is hindering me from running? What is hindering me from living for you? What is hindering me from giving up what I have for the sake of your kingdom? Because Guys, today is the day of salvation. It's nearer to us today than when we first believed. Cast off the world, cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light, and put on Jesus Christ to live like a warrior. He's on a rescue mission, guys, and we are there with him to rescue the world, to show them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so as you respond today through song, as you respond in your R3s, Guys, ask that question, evaluate yourself, but also say, you know what, God? I want the abundant life. I want to live in the overflow. I want those things. And you won't be satisfied with the status quo. Say, I want that life, God, and then start living it out. Rise helps you get there. R3 helps you get there. Guys, we're here to push you forward in that, to influence our city and our world. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your example. Thank you for the example of the prophets for this entire book, for this place where you declare that this is your destiny and that you invited us into it. 
And so, Jesus, we follow you this morning. You are our life. Show us how to love our city in the same way as you loved us, by laying down our lives. Not by hoarding, not by holding on to, but by laying it down for the sake of others. I pray that we'd be willing to do that for your glory. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon. Thank you.